problem is, Steve Vines, we're actually not. We're, we're so not. We're so not. I mean, um, although, if you come to think of it, there was a moment of sunshine, and that occurred two days, well, yes, two days ago, on, on June the 4th, when yet again Hong Kong demonstrated that whatever else is happening in China, there is one part of China where people will remember. And are absolutely determined to keep alive a historical memory. Obviously, I'm talking about the commemoration of the um, Tiananmen Square massacre, which um, which Carrie Lam, she's so good at reading her script, called... A, I'm going to read out the exact quote. She called a... Um, what did she say? Um, a, a particular historical event. It's a particular historical event. I mean, this actually is the party line. That's what, That's how it's described by the comrades. And, I mean, she yet again embarrassed herself by saying, oh, I hope this year it's going to be peaceful. Well, wait a minute, Carrie Lam. This has been going on for 29 years. This was the 30th anniversary. And it's always been peaceful. Not only is it peaceful, but, I mean, to the extent that you never see any litter there. I mean, it's one of the few events I know in Hong Kong that when you leave the, 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 the grounds... Everybody is going around picking up their litter. I've, I've actually not seen that any, in any other event in Hong Kong. Number one, it's peaceful. Number two, people come in family groups. So, you know, I don't think the average family would take their young children, and there were some very young children there, if they thought there was the smallest possibility of, no. of things kicking off in a violent way. And, of course, um, you know, the, the great lie, and it was repeated again this year, is, oh, oh, you know, young people don't know what it was. They're completely alienated from this. What do young people well, do? They ask. Well, actually, I saw a very large number of young people there. I don't know what the actual number was, but let's get to numbers. Here we go again. So the organisers say there were 180,000 people there. The police... And you have to ask yourself why they do this. Or how they do it. Or I how they do this. Said there were 37,000 there. I mean, just to take one reason why that figure can't possibly be true is that the three central football pitches of Victoria Park take about 20,000 people each. So they were filled very quickly. That's 60,000 people. That makes the 30,000 figure look a bit dubious. The lawn on the side which is, is where I was, because I couldn't get anywhere near the, 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 the middle of the um, demonstration, or whatever you call it, um, was, was both of them were filled. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know if it was exactly 180,000. Yeah, what if it doubt. was more, though? <laughs> what, what if it was more? Um, what, what if it was 179? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is it's very interesting the extent to which the police are determined to politicise their own presence at these events by trying to minimise the um, number of people. Now, as we know, there's going to be a very big rally on Sunday against the extradition bill, and the police have denied the organisers permission to assemble in Victoria Park, well, considering that it's highly likely that there'll be even more people attending this rally than there will be um, than had attended the rally on Tuesday. It seems to me this is almost guaranteed to ensure there will be some kind of argy bargy because they they told they've told the rally organisers they've got to uh, assemble in East Point Street, which is tiny. Yeah, I mean it's just you. I mean I'm very worried about this, the politicisation of the police, and you see where it's heading. I mean in the case of the. Um, extradition bill. They're now 
they're now officials are now saying oh the discipline forces are supporting us on this the discipline forces have no business supporting anybody in a political debate one way or another they certainly have business enforcing the law once it's passed that's a different matter but i mean the the determination of this administration to undermine the independence and the neutrality of the forces of law and order is shocking the fact that i think we mentioned this last week the fact that they got the icac to to issue a statement in favor of the extradition law is shocking and i mean on top of this you have this i mean this is almost unbelievable that but i suppose it, it it's how things are nowadays um and i knew it would come to this you actually had john lee the secretary of security saying yesterday do you know china is in the top tier of of countries rated for the independence of its judiciary now poor i mean you always thought that that, that that Hong Kong government officials would toe the party line. But to that extent, to actually blatantly lie in LegCo, this is where this was said, he says, oh, yes, well, I base that. I base that on a survey. And this is where the thing disintegrates into farce. He says, oh, it's in a survey from the World Economic Forum. Um, where they ask top executives, you know, do you think this country, do you think that country is is, is jolly good for uh, judicial independence? And apparently in this survey, um, China ranked um, 45th place. It's not to my mind the, the highest of rankings, but never mind, 45th place. So he said, oh, that's in the upper the upper quadrille of, of rankings. And, and um, then I think it was um, Dennis Kwok said to, oh, well, in the same survey... Um, China ranked as um, 121st out of 122 countries in terms of observance of human rights. Could you like to comment on that as well? Because oh, I can't get involved in commenting on surveys. <laughs> it's the same survey. God, dear, oh dear. So, I mean, just in case anybody hasn't ever read a newspaper, is totally ignorant, why doesn't he just listen to the words of the leader, not a leader, the leader, Xi Jinping, who says China should never copy the judicial independence as practiced in Western countries? It's there. This is the Chinese official policy. There will be no judicial independence. So um, you've got this really, really worrying situation now where not only will the... Um, people in the Hong Kong administration under Carrie Lam ran through whatever laws, regardless of procedures of the legislature, that they're required to ram through um, on request from the central authorities. But they do so in a way that they feel they actually have to pretend. Well, I don't know. Maybe they really do believe this. But what they're doing is supporting a system of justice on the mainland, which everybody who can read and write... I mean knows is not independent i mean it's it's as simple as that and i mean it's extraordinary carrie lamb actually also said last week um there is a fear or even allegation that the chief executive will just follow instructions by the central government this is totally unfounded i'm thinking but wait a minute where's the evidence on that you're not allowed to pause on radio because people think the power's been shut off but i can just tell you <laughs> If you made a pause, you couldn't fill it in with any contrary information. The fact of the matter is, there isn't a scintilla of evidence that she would not follow the instructions given by the central government. But yet again, she puts on the record 
that this is how things are. Reality is whatever I say it is today. China now suddenly has judicial independence, despite the fact that the leader of China says we won't tolerate that sort of thing going on there. Carrie Lam, who has never been known to, to see an order from up above that she hasn't followed, is suddenly going, oh, I wouldn't just argue if they issued an order, you can't assume that I'd follow it. Oh, yes, you can, Mrs. Lam, because you've got form. She's got form, you know. Ronnie Biggs doesn't have as much form as she does. <laughs> but anyway, those who don't know who Ronnie Biggs is, look it up. Bearing in mind all the things you've just said, what could happen on Sunday? I mean, what, what I'm trying to say is what possible purpose is it? Well, apart I, from a great... I think, I think there's, there's, the, the, there's two or three things. I mean, first of all, and this is a, a more general point, yeah. but first of all, it will demonstrate to those in the administration and among the, the usual flag wavers who said after the crushing of the umbrella movement, people in Hong Kong were no longer prepared to resist, no, were no longer prepared to raise their voices. We've dealt with that. It's all out it will demonstrate conclusively that that isn't so. I expect hundreds of thousands of people to come on the streets. Hmm. That's number one. Number two, it won't, I think, you're quite right, it won't stop the bill being passed because the way LegCo is constructed at the moment, you know, if if they put up a dog, oh, sorry, they've done that already, to be its president. Um, oh, sorry, that's rude to dogs. I take that back entirely. It would pass. So whatever the government puts in front of LegCo, it will pass. I don't think there's a serious doubt about that. But there is this, if it does pass, I wonder now whether they would, in light of this enormous backlash, international, domestic, whether they'd actually use the law. I think that well, is the, the one, that is the one hope, that the level of public unease about this would make them very, very careful. OK, it gets passed. Are we going to see for sale signs on big international office blocks? Interesting question. I don't know. I mean... You don't have the level of eco uh, the level of activity that you've had among um, diplomatic representatives, foreign trade associations, uh, business councils. You've never seen that in Hong Kong before. Mm. There's a reason for that going on. It is because there is genuine unease. And Hong Kong's competitive advantage has always been, I mean, it's boring to repeat it, but let's repeat it in case anybody's been sleeping for the last 20-odd years. The, Hong Kong's competitive advantage has always been it's different from the mainland. It's a place where there is guaranteed rule of law, guaranteed freedom of expression, blah, blah, blah. And these things you need if you want to run an international business in Hong Kong. It's not an add-on extra. It's an integral part of the framework mm. of doing business. If that's removed, it, business will evaporate. And I, I always use this example, which is the example... Uh, which I know very well from my early career as a journalist, of, of how Beirut, in much more dramatic circumstances, ceased overnight, well, it wasn't overnight, it was over, over more than a night, to be the international business centre for the Middle East. Because, well, there was a civil war, which fortunately we don't have here, but be, because, you know, people always said, oh, well, Beirut, whatever happens, will remain the centre of business in the Middle East, because there is no alternative, you know, it, it will happen. What actually happened was that the the centrality of Beirut as a business centre collapsed, and actually nothing seriously replaced it. I mean, some of the Gulf states have, have made a few stabs at becoming international business centres. The fact of the matter is nobody replaced it, and this is what will happen in China. 
if you defeat Hong Kong as being this international centre, it won't move to Shanghai. You're I'm very sure of that. All right, then, if you want to say anything to or with Steve, Morning Brew at rthk.hk, you said, will this be enacted? I'm sure, bearing in mind what we've seen so far, for the pure, call it face, call it bloody-mindedness, call it determination, it, uh, it, it's fair to say oh, it, will it be, will. It will be enacted yeah, because yeah. the Central um, Liaison Office has phoned up all the usual suspects in LegCo and say, you will vote for this. I know this for a fact because I've spoken to people who've been phoned up one of whom said to me in unambiguous terms, unfortunately, you know, not for attribution, he said, we are not free agents in this matter. Hmm. I said, so that means you'll have to vote for it. And he looked at me as if I was a complete idiot. He said, of course I will. So by being enacted, do you mean that there's, uh, we have a little list and we're going to see a bunch of paddy wagons well, all over town? So, so that, that, that's what I'm saying. So that could be the, the real effect of, um, of this large demonstration is they'd have the powers to do it, but would they actually use them? at least use them right away fines well just a couple of things following on from what we were talking about before the break the the um one thing that people don't i think here really appreciate is how massive despite police estimates demonstrations are here i mean there was a demonstration in london of 50,000 people against the Trump visit. I'm talking about a couple of days ago. There's been some great stories from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. were, weren't there? I like the balloons. Um, but, but I mean, you know, they, they send massive turnout in London, 50,000 people. Well, let's look at it this way. Britain has a population, roughly speaking, not exactly, but roughly speaking, 10 times the size of Hong Kong. Okay. Now, Hong Kong has demonstrations of 50,000, and people say, oh, that wasn't very big. <laughs> but, you know, in proportionate terms, they are massive, the demonstrations here. I mean, massive in proportion to the size of the population. I just thought I'd point that out in case anybody oh, hasn't got that um, perspective. It's very, it's very true. Uh, and the other just small thing, uh, in case anybody missed it, which I don't think they have, um, is that, you know, if you want to know what happens when you're politicising the police force and you're getting your, now, your nose a particular colour of bran, Brown, look no further than the former police commissioner, Andy Chan, who's now been nominated to he's by... Commissioner Gordon these days. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the boy. I mean, he's already got some sort of role up there in the north, but he's now been nominated by the comrades to... Um, uh, what's it? To, yes, he's going to, to, to head a UN drug crime bureau of some, some description. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the job is. The fact of the matter is it's payoff time. This is the man they called the vulture. <laughs> You've got to love it. Um, where are we? Uh, well, in, in other big news this week, and this was a shock, Kenneth Lamb, it's Kenneth Lau, won the election to head the Hernie Cook. Blimey. Who knew that was going to happen? There was only one candidate, but nonetheless, who knew? Who saw that coming? Not me. But what was interesting about this election, and trust me, there's very little interesting about Hung Yee Cook elections normally, because they're all preordained. But there was actually um, a bit of competition for some of the other posts. And yet again, what happened was that the liaison office sent round the list of approved candidates. This is what they did during the Law Society election, which, if, if you remember, was highly successful. I mean, they, they got the big law companies to use their proxy votes <coughs> to, to put in all but one of the people on the approved list. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just saying what's interesting about this is the level to which now the liaison office will intervene in, oh, that's right, everything. I mean, they haven't... Um, there, there's, there's a 
Sai Kung barbecue group I know. I don't know whether they're getting involved in that election. But in other in other elections of a slightly more political tinge or yeah. a potentially political tinge, yeah. it seems that, you know, orders I mean, they they're just blatant now. They just send they don't even you know, there's no sort of oh well um I'll 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 uh, pretend this isn't happening. No, no, yeah. they write it down, they say, Oi, you're voting for Mr. Chan. You're voting for Mr. So-and-so. I love, usually these, a I love these blokes. You can spot them a mile away. Here we are in a formal occasion. Everybody's wearing morning suits or whatever. Then there's a table of blokes with Hawaiian shirts <laughs> and success perms. And that would be... They're lovely. <laughs> They're lovely. They're lovely. I mean, you know, I, follow, I, I tell you, when it comes to fashion, I take my lead. absolutely from, brilliant. I like it? the hairstyles. <laughs> I, like, I do like the hairstyles. Talking of people looking out of, um, out of what's it... Uh, I was this this re relates back again to um, the commemoration in Victoria Park on on Tuesday. So I was standing from he was there because you've been for many years. Yeah, you? I, I, yeah, I was there. Uh, um, <laughs> but standing behind us were two blokes. I mean, you know, if you if you wanted to, if they wanted to wear a badge, I am here to look at this on behalf of the mainland. <laughs> they, they they didn't quite have the badge, but in every other sense. And I'm thinking. You know, can't you find someone who looks at least vaguely as though they're here as part of the crowd rather than here as part of the spooky operation? Yeah. yeah. So it was very funny. So uh, the friend of mine was, she kept looking at them directly and they kept sort of ducking away. <laughs> <laughs> they're so, what, go on. No, no, I'm just saying. I mean, uh, it, it was the obviousness of it, which, which, which um, I have to say struck me. Yeah, there were other kinds of mainlanders there as well. We were hearing lots of stories. I mean, Hong Kong Free Press did a lot of the slightly underneath the, you know, the main, the main stuff, event yeah. stuff. And it was lots of stories of people from the mainland who were here. One, because they'd been told this is how to find out. And, yeah. and two, because, uh, I don't know, they... they they heard about they it when they were here. There yeah. and so apparently that was that's another. Yeah, I think they were. I mean, the type of people, Steve. The, the, these guys, I, I I think were on official business. I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm not for umbrella, sure. Really, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not for sure. But those those mouthpieces. No, no, they didn't have mouthpieces. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I mean, it's also interesting. I don't know if you saw a clip from um, BBC that actually it was played, played on RTHK yesterday. What's that? Of John Subworth um, interviewing students in the street saying um, what do you think of June the 4th and a lot of them just went mm, June 4th what happened then so you know if you think that the suppression of history can't be done unfortunately that's not true it can you yeah, can suppress uh, knowledge just to throw it in a little bit I mean if you said to people of my age um, um, well people sorry considerably younger than me and say well well do you remember Bloody Sunday? I mean, they might not have too much. I'm not, it's a very bad comparison, it, it is, but you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, but uh, you're, you're talking about the Bloody Sunday in, in Northern Ireland. I am indeed, when, yeah. Stuff in, like, in stuff Derry, like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's true. It's true. I mean, so historical memory is short, but um, I don't think... Let me put it to you this way. Yeah. I really don't think if you asked anybody in Ireland that question... No, absolutely. ...they wouldn't know absolutely. what it was. So this is something people being asked in their own country... Mm whether they uh, remember that event. But it's true. Um, you can... The, the level of indifference to history I always find staggering. I actually heard some idiot doing an interview, no name is mentioned, saying, oh, well, you know, it was all 30 years ago. Why do you keep banging on about it? I'm thinking, gosh, this is in a country... Uh, well, actually, all countries have to remember their history. But in China, you know, 
th- th- they, there is an official celebration of the May 4th movement. That was, oh, that's right, a hundred years ago. Nothing wrong with that, incidentally, yeah. because as we always know, those who forget history are condemned to repeat its worst aspects. I've got a question for you. I mean, what we've seen over the past week or so is absolutely proof, abs- proof absolute that this is not only not going to be forgotten, etc. How come there were only pictures of Tank Man standing in front and not what happened to him? Because nobody knows. No, but he, he had to, you know, he's standing in front of a tank. Yeah, no, and, I mean, and, and the guy... or whatever the, later, he must have either gone under it or, or to the side of it, or he might have been lifted out the, the way. The Does guy who's know? taken those images says that he then he then disappeared. Yeah, but I mean, like that? I mean, there, there no, he no, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, no, because if you remember, the, I mean, this is a very iconic picture. I know, you're I know, about. I know. One but, single but man. But minutes later, but he would have gone is, somewhere. If you, but if you remember, the shot is taken uh, from quite a long distance. Sure, absolutely. It's not, because um, the, 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 the person who, who, who made this yeah. was, was sitting, I think, in a hotel room and saw this going blurry, on. It doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And and he said, and I'm I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the mm. name of the person. But he said, because uh, it's an obvious question. Yeah, well, you know like what happened later, to that guy? Where, what happened? He to said, him? I don't know. He was there, and then he wasn't. It's it's such a. He ama- don't. I don't think he went under one of those tanks. Because if it was a dead body, you'd have seen it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. minutes later, you would have seen but he something. May well have been, he, he may. He may well have been. He may well have gone to, gone off and got arrested. I mean, that's equally. But it's just bizarre to me that there's no shot of a few minutes later. We see him swinging his shopping bag in mm. the air and sort of looking round, and that's you know, it's the most iconic image. It it it, it really is. And but, but and, and you know, I mean, what what we don't have images of, and I think it's worth talking about this just a bit, is you know, everybody focuses on what was happening in Beijing, sure. but there were also apparently at least a hundred people killed in protests in. There Chengdu in, in, in Sichuan province. I don't think there are any images really? of that whatsoever. A ton of stuff has started surfacing on the news and history sites online, on yeah. social media. Some, ama- I mean, Steve, some am- technically amazing work. And there's a new book just um, been published by the New Century Press who are having, needless to say, infinitely difficult problems circulating. In fact, I think there's only one bookshop who's prepared to hold it. Uh, which leaks documents about the internal discussions on that day that were taking place within the leadership. Because remember, Zhao Ziyang was still he in was the, the leadership. One who was saying, who was off, saying wasn't he? don't do this. Yeah. But it wasn't just Zhao Ziyang. There was a very enormous debate. And one of the p- aspects of this debate, of course, is that, that the troops they sent in, remember, they removed all the local Beijing troops f- from policing that event. They brought in all these young, raw recruits who were members of PLA. The troops themselves... Different areas, right? Yeah, I mean, so that they wouldn't have a personal connection with anybody there. But, but, but I mean, the troops themselves just didn't know what to do. I mean, that the, the level of chaos is just astonishing when you, when you hear from the PLA side about what was happening on that fateful night that, you know, um, some of them actually thought they'd been issued with... Uh, well, the students thought they'd been issued with blanks rather than live bullets. Well, lots of stories like that. I just want to say <coughs> hello to Colin. I'm going to pronounce this badly. But uh, Colin says Jeff Widner, Widener, photographer. Uh-huh, is his name. I, is I'm it? sorry if uh, I pronounce it wrongly, yeah. but that, thanks, Colin. Very nice of you. Yeah, good. Yeah, I just... I mean, everybody's been asking <coughs> what happened to Tank yeah. Man, but I'm just wondering Do you remember how, that how interview? come they got him then there, there was a famous. There was a famous interview with um, uh, uh, um, Jiang Zemin 
uh, an American interview in which the interviewer produced the image and said, Mr. Chang, I want to ask you... What happened? What happened? And he made some... He, he sort of gave a wry, wry smile and can said, you, you know, we're a country ruled by law. Can you think of any other images from other conflicts and terrible things around the world, certainly in the past 50, well, 60 you, years? Well, you look, I mean, you look, what is the defining image of the Vietnam War? Is that awful, harrowing picture of that small girl running, running from, away from, she'd been napalmed, burns all over her skin. Uh, now, we know what happened to her. She She finally did emigrate to the United States and she was in inverted commas rescued but I mean if you ask what do you know I mean this is a war in which hundreds and thousands possibly millions of people died but what do you know about the war a lot of people will have that image in mind rather than anyone else uh, rather the, than anything else I would say there's one more in there's mm -hmm. one more image that does stick out is the one of this guy called Baylock getting executed by the general he's got his sleeves yes, up that's in right. tet I think so so this was this was um this if you remember is a uh, this is a south vietnamese general yeah um uh assassinating i think he was a, a nlf um fighter yeah. yeah so i mean you know you know images a thousand words it's absolutely true and you you think of other conflicts you know the 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 the, the um the second world war which obviously uh, has you know all sorts of great moments but you know that the, some of those images yeah of berlin reduced to absolute rubble I mean, I mean they, they Ness's in... one was one of the great images of Vietnam as well, wasn't it? Sorry. I'm yeah, that's right. So this, this, this is the image of the helicopter yeah. going off the American um, embassy in, in, in Saigon with uh, people trying to... trying to. Uh, yes, it's an amazing image. He, he was a wonderful man. He was a mate of ours. He told me that... He, he, I think he told me he took it through a window. So the actual picture, he put his lens up against the window, yeah. I think. Well, I, I I seem to recall that that you know he he was in the uh, unfortunately he's he's died as you, but anyway he he he'd been uh, he was in the office and um, someone said <laughs> to him so, someone, no no someone said to him oh you better get over to the embassy I think something's going on there and he was going oh rah, 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 rah. and he took again one of the great iconic images of of the of the war it really really is yeah and he got it just by chance in a way yes, didn't he yes. that was the um, what, what did we call it? airlifting, right? The airlifting. Well, that, this was the last moment of the fall of Saigon when um, it was quite clear that the NLF... Well, the, at the point that, that that image was shot, the NLF were already coming into mm. the city. I mean, the, the, the pro-government, the pro-regime forces had crumbled by then. Mm. So people who wanted to get out were, were, were besieging the embassy. And there wasn't any other way out. Remember, they couldn't go out by road. It was helicopter. It's funny talking about iconic images. I mean, again, the same fellow, Hubert Van Ness. I mean, he is very well known for this. It's been used by everybody. But do you remember, he had an exhibition of pictures that he took at what was called Hamburger Hill. They were nasty occurrences there. But, I mean, Vane's pictures were absolutely yeah. fabulous. But he says, they're much better than what I took that day. Yeah. Anyway, Colin writes back to us. Um, New York Times, two days ago, we find an article. Thanks for that. It says, 30 years after Tiananmen, Tank Man remains an icon and a mystery. So there's a whole yeah. load on that yeah. in the there, New York there's, Times. There's an enormous amount of... Um Shall we, shall we just end? I mean, we, this has all been a bit depressing. No, it's fabulous on, talking about uh, these images, though. Yeah, it is. 
It is. Uh, but I just thought we'd just end on, on a, a piece of local government stupidity because oh, yeah. I Why love not? it. <laughs> so so the, the, the very brainy people in the transport department have said, oh, we've got a traffic problem in Shamshiri Po. i tell you what we're going to do. Hey, this is thinking out of the box. We're going to reduce the speed limit to 30 kilometres an hour. Yeah. And that will, that will make it a more um, environmentally friendly thing. I'm thinking... Who are these <laughs> numbskulls? I mean, more the, railings. The, you, more <laughs> railings. I mean, you know, there's all these proposals. For example, a very good one from Designing Hong Kong, talking about making Queens Road Central a pedestrian uh, precinct, which I think is a brilliant idea, incidentally. Yeah. Um, it would it would it would liven up the centre of town no end. But they're they're against that because uh, because they're in charge of roads. In charge of roads. roads. I'm in charge of roads, and roads means traffic. Love. So in Sham Shui Po, yeah. where um, if you go there for your holidays this year, oh, yeah. you'll find it is a little crowded, and there's sort of delivery vans, and there's very common people wandering around. Yeah. But now that it will all be travelling at 30 kilometres an hour, it will be great. It will just be great. It'll be absolutely <laughs> wonderful. I would normally go... Dramatic music there. <laughs> but actually, I want to give the last word... To, I want to give the last word to Geoffrey, who mm. says... Tankman. He said, I saw this live. He ran into the crowd. Later, he was arrested and, quote, disappeared. So at least, oh, is that right? at least he, he exited mm. from the road. But thank you for helping Steve and me with those details. Yeah, Talk to you next week, you. Steve.